Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Waiting to get a hold of our uh, esteemed guest, Ryan Talbot, who will be joining us here in just a moment to talk a little bit of Bills and uh, particularly J.J. Watt. Um, And um, if you missed anything uh, from from last hour as well, we had Paul Hamilton joining us at 1130. uh, Had me talking for the better part of the beginning of the segment, uh, or at least the beginning of the hour. So if you missed any of that, you can go, of course, uh, to WGR550.com, on-demand audio. Check us out there. Um, <clears throat> also, um, we're talking, we didn't mention talking about J.J. Watt this hour. Um, also, there are several quarterback storylines going across the league. Um, the move yesterday for the Texans moving on with J.J. Watt, sort of the next thing that comes into view is... Deshaun Watson. What happens with Deshaun Watson? What happens with Carson Wentz? What happens with a lot of these quarterbacks that uh, could potentially be on the move? What happens to Jimmy G? What happens uh, to Jameis Winston? There's, uh, you know, and and I know this was supposed to be the offseason where quarterbacks galore and it was going to be, um, you know, which quarterback was going to be on the move? Who was staying put? Where were they going? Where were the best destinations? Who's going to take over for Drew Brees? Is Tom Brady coming back? Like all these storylines and very clearly Tom Brady is coming back after the Super Bowl win that he had over the Kansas City Chiefs just uh, just a hot week ago, so we can expect Brady's back and Carson Wentz. Where is he going to be? Is he going to be in Indianapolis? Is he going to be in Chicago? So there's lots and lots and lots of potential player movement, particularly at the quarterback position. Man, yeah, happy offseason. Happy to be on. Good man. Well, I wanted to talk to you about. Um, give me a moment. His name is Justin James Watt, uh, also known as many to as J.J. Watt, who was released yesterday, was granted his release by the Houston Texans. And um, almost immediately, this was sort of, a, a, I think, a move that all of us, um, not only in the media, but Bills fans, fans across the league, this was a move and a step that Probably was very long in the making here, probably right towards the end of the season. Obviously, the turnover of Nick Kashiro coming in as the team's general manager, um, Jack Easterby sort of running things from a director of uh, a football and a director of personnel perspective. Um, this move always was sort of in the cards. 
now that it's happened, Ryan, like where do you stand on what J.J. Watt is as a free agent? And and I've been sort of talking at length this morning about the uniqueness of this offseason. And maybe in years past, Ryan, J.J. Watt has more suitors, has more teams that are maybe more contending suitors is the way I really want to phrase that. But with this year, with contenders like New Orleans, at um, you know, really New Orleans is the one team that sticks out to me as a team that is typically pretty aggressive in the free agency period that is really going to be focused on how to shed salary due to the reduced salary cap for this season. So with that said, what do you think the prospects of J.J. Watt going into this free agency period are? Is he a guy that's going to have multiple dozen teams going after his services, or do you believe that there's really going to be a handful of contenders that are really going to be biting for um, and potentially driving the cost up? Because that's ultimately the question here is, is there enough suitors to drive up the cost of a J.J. Watt, who, by the way, is going to be 32 when the season starts? Yeah, you know, the report yesterday was that a dozen teams have inquired about J.J. Watt. Now, inquiring is not the same thing as making a legitimate offer. It's probably just doing due diligence. What's he looking for? Um, what does he consider a contender? Because if you, if you go and look uh, at some of the things he said recently, some of, his, you know, some of the things that he liked recently, it's all about going to win a championship. And if that is his end game here, if that is his goal, I think you can narrow it down to a handful of teams that could each make and present their their very best offer, so to speak. And then from there, it's up to him to weigh. Okay, I make the most money here, but this is a team that was made it this far last year. So, you know, you know, you look around the league, and and obviously Pittsburgh is the first team that just about everyone talks about because his brothers are there, and that would be a fun story. And I'm not saying that Pittsburgh can't win. Uh, but but they have some players that they're going to have to restructure, renegotiate some own, some of their own players that they have to re-sign. Uh, and then are they truly going, going to be in the mix this year based on their division, Baltimore Ravens? And obviously, you have the Cleveland Browns both making the playoffs this past season. You have the Cincinnati Bengals that uh, are still in the playoff contender right now, but they have Joe Burrow that can add some more pieces. That's a competitive division. And then you have Ben Roethlisberger who – really faded at the end of the season. So if the Super Bowl is his end game, I'm not sure that's a good spot for him. Green Bay was one play away from making the Super Bowl. They got all the way down there. Obviously going back to Wisconsin, I think, would be something really big on his list. So I think they're there. But besides those two teams, I think Buffalo is truly in the mix if they are interested in his service, uh, services. He fits from a culture perspective. He fits from what they need. They talked about being able to – having to be able to get after the quarterback with their front four. And, uh, you know, if you look at the analytics behind his season, he did not have a great sack campaign, but he was still getting double teamed. And he still had a very high uh, pass rush win rate considering that. So I think that he would be a solid addition to this line. Now, if the Bills lose out on J.J. Watt, is all lost for their offseason? Absolutely not. There are some free agents out there that I think could bring just as much and, and possibly more to the team and maybe even save them some money. There's guys like Romeo Aquara, mm. uh, who had maybe one of the quietest 10-sack seasons of the year. 10 sacks, 18 quarterback hits, three forced fumbles, and he's only 25 years old. Uh, Spotrack says he's about he's going to get about $10 million on the market. And then maybe my favorite, and I know the sack numbers aren't going to match up, is Carl Lawson. Uh, five and a half sacks, but 32 quarterback hits last year in Cincinnati. And he's only projected to make about $8.8 million, according to Spotrek. So, you know, what name value, it's there. Uh, in terms of what he brings on and off the field, it is there. 
I think the Buffalo Bills are truly going to be in the mix for him when all is said and done. I, I think that they feel they are a few players away from being in the Super Bowl next year, and I think that he could close that gap. But at the end of the day, if he does not sign, there are, are other options out there. Before uh, any other position group I wanted to talk to you about today, Ryan, is the offensive line. And we'll do that in a minute, but sticking with this defensive line, I guess part of what I want to ask you here, and maybe this isn't a fair question for this Bills defensive line as it currently stands, but doesn't it just feel like at 32 – and the guys they have on this defensive line as it stands with, in particular, the guys that you know are going to be here under contract, Jerry Hughes, Starla Tulele, to name the name the two. I mean, both those guys are 32 and 33, respectively, going into this next season. And I mean, those aren't young guys. And, and, and when you look at this Bills defensive line, part of the issue that I see with them maybe spending the, the necessary money to go and get a J.J. Watt, you're not getting him for one year. You're likely going to have to give the guy, I think at baseline, two years, potentially three years. And for me, Ryan, in, in order to do that, I, I think you're sacrificing the ability to bring in younger potential talent on this defensive line. And, and it's, for me, you're moving away. In order to get a J.J. Watt, you're likely going to have to cut, or at least at the very least, restructure a guy like Mario Addison, who is also... 33 years old. Um, then you're looking at, okay, well, who else can you potentially cut to create some additional room on this defensive line? Is that Vernon Butler, who's still a younger guy, um, but making, I think, maybe a little bit more money than he's necessarily worth on the market? And then Quentin Jefferson is the other guy who I think offers you the most versatility on your defensive line. I don't really want to see a guy like Quentin Jefferson get cut. I'm more than comfortable restructuring. But ultimately, at the end of the day here, Ryan, what does J.J. Watt really bring to this team if, to do so, you have to get rid of a guy like Mario Addison and Vernon Butler? And are you able to, do you still have the flexibility to continue adding to that defensive line if you bring J.J. Watt? Because I don't think J.J. Watt alone is going to fix the problems that exist on that defensive line no i agree with that completely i think you'd have to address it further in the draft because you do need to get younger uh, in terms of what he can bring you have to hope that he can bring along aj Epineza, help him develop him in his career uh maybe help him develop some of those players that are um you know still developing a guy like a, a daryl johnson that could still stick around in this roster i know mike love's been on this practice squad for a few years now you're hoping that he can help develop that next generation, but if there's still questions about that, those younger guys after A.J. Epinez, I think Epinez a flash as a rookie. I still think uh, there's, there's a high amount of upside there, and we've only seen uh, bits and pieces of what he can do. It, you're, you're right. It throws the future into question because then you're investing money in Watt. You have money invested in Hughes. You have money invested in Starla Tulay, and obviously the, the 2021 season that uh, rolls over from this past season when, when he opted out. So it does give you some pause there because, like you said, you want to make sure this team is uh, healthy financially but also trending in the right direction age-wise. And that's why I mentioned guys like Romeo Aquara, Carl Lawson, who might bring you just as much as why at this point in his yeah. career and are significantly younger. So those are the options you have to weigh. I think the Bills will do their due diligence, but they're going to have to be set at a price point that they're comfortable saying, if we bring you in for two years, uh, I would be hesitant to do a three-year deal personally. But if you can get him in for two years and you're comfortable with that rate, so be it. Uh, because then at the end of the day, he comes off the book sooner rather than later. But you're right. You're looking at, obviously, you would have to cut Mario Addison in, in this instance. I don't think it's a, it's a you can have both. He, he would have to go. Vernon Butler, uh, I'm with you on He's making too much money. There wasn't enough of an impact there. I like Quentin Jefferson. 
Uh, but, you know, you could even weigh that option. But at the same time, I think that a second offseason for Jefferson in the system having a full offseason would, would help him out significantly. So I'm not ready to move on from him. But there's other cost-cutting moves you can make in other positions. You can get rid of Lee Smith's contract, and that saves a couple million dollars. And he's pondering retirement, so I wouldn't be shocked if that's the route they go. Uh, Tyler Medikevich, I think that uh, he performed well, but, he, you know, there's about $3 million you could shed there. So they can maneuver. They can restructure contracts. Uh, money can be created. If there's anything, you know, the, the team that you mentioned earlier, if there's anything that we learned from a team like the New Orleans Saints, is they, they, I feel like they've been pressed against the cap for the last decade, and yet every year they're making a big uh, free agent signing and kicking the can. Now, obviously, that's caught up to them, and they can't kick it any further, in my opinion, this offseason. But you, you can manipulate the cap to a certain extent. And I think that's the most interesting part about this, is talking about next year's, the Bills cap space as it currently stands, sits at around almost $100 million, and that's at the current cap space, uh, or the court, the current cap um, ceiling at $180 million. And I think we probably, if you and I, I know I agree with this, and i am be sure you probably agree, 2022's salary cap ceiling is likely going to be closer to 200 million than it is going to be to the 180 that the that the league is ultimately going to settle on for the 2021 season. So knowing that, you know, how much do you think Brandon Bean is willing to dip his toe into next year's salary cap um in order to maybe front load or or should I say maybe cash load some of these um potential free agents that they're going after this year and to sort of if that's question 1A, 1B would be how Maybe maybe this is a, a more of a broader question for you, Ryan. Which I, I think we both agree the offense and defensive line are the two units on this team that need the most overhaul. And I think I think my argument is the offensive line probably needs the most overhaul from a depth and top of the roster perspective. I think the Bills, at least in terms of depth on the defensive line, I think they're fine depth wise. It's the top of the guys, or, or it, it's the sort of the the starters and the top of that room that that needs a little bit of makeover, but. Which of these positions, offensive and defensive line, do you believe the Bills can go into free agency saying, we're going to take care of this unit because there's the most out there in terms of depth and top of roster guys, and we believe that we can go into the draft and take care of a lot of issues on the other side? Like, Which of those units do you believe they go heavy in free agency to try to remake opposed to using the draft maybe? Uh, I, I think it would be defensive line in terms of going after them in free agency. Uh, you know, I, I will say that we, we had Joe Marino on a recent show, and he did say that the edge rusher 3 or 4 to edge rusher 15 are all pretty similar, so you can get some guys in those mid-rounds. But I, I don't know if you're uh, going to necessarily get an impact player in those mid-rounds at defensive uh, end or uh, even on the interior of that line. So I think in free agency is where you're going to find that pass rusher that has a track record, whether it's short-term like Aquara. Uh, whether it's spending even more money on some of these other players that, you know, you're talking $13, $14 million on average. I don't know if they're ready to go to that point with the cap salary, but Brendan Bean has been outstanding at his, the way he builds his contracts, uh, so I could see that. I think offensive line, though, you could do during the draft, and, and actually in, one, in my most recent uh, mock draft, for instance, I had them getting uh, Notre Dame offensive tackle Liam Eichenberg. Um, and it doesn't have to be Eichenberg, but I think this is the year that in round one or round two, you need to attack the offensive tackle position mm. because you have Deion Dawkins signed to a big long-term deal. So you want that other spot to be on a rookie contract, yep. in the ideal world, someone that can start. You know, I, I totally agree with you, Ryan. 
Totally agree with you. Defensive tackle. It could even be cornerback. And cornerback yeah. is not as much of a pressing need, but you have Trey White getting big money. So if there was ever a year to, to even look at the cornerback position, this might be the year. Mix them in with Dane Jackson, Levi Wallace. Uh, Buffalo has a history of signing a vet every offseason, whether you're talking Vontae Davis, E.J. Gaines, Kevin Johnson, Josh Norman. Um, so they could even go that route. But I, I think this is the year that you attack offensive tackle. Uh, it, in terms of play, it, it doesn't line up, but I would not be shocked if the Bills cut Mitch Morris post-June 1st designation and they re-sign Feliciano and give him a legitimate shot to play center. Now, is Feliciano an upgrade at center? No, he's not. And I don't know if we've seen enough snaps to even say that he would be as good um, yeah. In, yeah, in that same realm as Morse. But I think there are legitimate concussion concerns in this front office about Mitch Morse. He lost his first season uh, offseason leading up to the regular season in Buffalo with concussion. He suffered a concussion this year, and not only did they keep him out, obviously, when he was in the protocol, they kept him out another game, and, and they said it was, oh, we wanted to give him that extra week, then they had the bye week, and that's fine. That, if that's what they want to say at the end of the day, that's fine. But I think they really wanted to see what they had in that offensive line because they were coming off of a strong performance running the ball against New England. They wanted to see, okay, can this offensive line get the job done without him? Not just this year, but long term. Yeah. Feliciano has already pretty much gone on record saying, I expect to be in Buffalo next year, um, which, you know, when you're a free agent, maybe that's not the best strategy to have, saying, I expect to be back. I, you know, I, it's just a matter of time. Um, but I think, that's, I think that's the move that they're going to make. They're going to save some money. They're going to cut Mitch Morris. They're going to have Feliciano in there. But if you don't want him at center, there's guys like uh, Quinn Meaners, uh, M-E-I-N-E-R-Z. I can't, you know, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but, he made some money for himself at the Senior Bowl. I think he's still a mid-round pick, though. He can he has that guard center versatility. You have Ike Butker, who I thought performed well as the season went on. He's a restricted free agent. You bring him back. Uh, say what you want about Cody Ford, but Brendan Bean pretty much gave him the. We expect this guy to be starting next year, and I don't expect him starting necessarily at right tackle. I don't see. It. I think he, they they see him as a guard. So you have Dawkins. You have Ford that you're pretty much committing to. You bring Feliciano back in the mix. You bring Butker back in the mix. Then you just have that other tackle spot. And you can sign a lower-tier free agent, someone as a placeholder, someone that can be your swing tackle. Um, you know, I don't want to throw any specific names out there, but you don't want to invest too much money in the guy. But it's someone that you're comfortable with in the situation that, okay, our guy in round one's not there, but we're going to draft someone in round two that can we can draft, develop, and mold to be that starter, whether it's in, as a rookie or year two. Um, but... I just think that you can build the offensive line easier in this year's draft class than you can the defensive line. Ryan Talbot of New York Upstate joining me on the Western Hotline talking about the Bills' offseason plans. Our first offseason uh, episode here of Sports Talk Saturday, so we'll have plenty more of these as we move along the offseason. But, I, you know, Ryan, for me, I loved your point about <clears throat> understanding how to sort of spread the percentage of cap that you're 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 spending on one position and i think this is easily the argument against matt milano right is if you're the bills i everybody agrees you're better with matt milano no one's gonna no i don't think anyone anyways is trying to make the argument that the bills are somehow better with matt milano moving on but i think ultimately what it comes down to is the other guy 
it, it comes down to Tremaine Edmonds. He's 22 years old, and when he's likely going to re-sign that second contract, he's going to be 23 years old, which is three and a half years younger than Matt Milano. And for me, that means something. And whether or not you think one or the other is better, I, I just think that you're not going to end up spending $10 plus million on Matt Milano and then turn around a year later and give $10 plus million to Tremaine Edmonds and tie up, you know, 9-10% of your salary cap to a linebacker position that I just don't think that I don't think that's smart cap allocation and for you to point out the same thing at, at, at offensive tackle and at guard as well I think is a great way to sort of look at how you ultimately determine who and how these players get paid and I love your I'm a big Liam Eikenberg fan obviously you know I, I'm, a, I'm a Notre Dame fan I've sort of watched his career from his freshman year on He's a guy to me, Brian, that can step in, walk in day one and play. And and I, I do find their position at 30, and I know Brandon Bean kind of came out and he sort of jokingly said, listen, you know me, it's going to be hard for me to just stay put at 30, whether that means he's going to be open to moving back or potentially moving up if a player drops. But... I think they're in a particularly good position at 30, Ryan, looking at some of the clusters on big boards from 25 to 40, and there are a lot of good names, guys that are going to walk in day one and start for you, in particular at edge in the offensive tackle. This isn't a super deep edge or interior defensive line draft, but the guys at the very top started around 20, and you know, does that mean you know that, that, that the Asai kid from Texas, the edge defender, he potentially falls to 30? Does Greg does one of those Miami edge players, who I think are both really good potential developmental players, similar, but they win differently. The Rousseau kid um, from Miami, and then Jalen Phillips as well. Like Those guys are potential nice players at the edge that you could walk in day one and, and maybe count on it to be a starter. So at 30, Ryan, there's a lot of places they can go. I guess ultimately, your offseason and over the next several weeks probably will indicate what the Bills end up doing at 30 because I, th- I think they're at a position where... It's not like a draft the best available and it's very clear, you know, Travis Etienne or one of these running backs are going to be the very clear running away best player at 30. Like, I think they're going to have a really good pick of the litter at a bunch of different positions. I, I agree with that completely. And I actually love that they're sitting at 30 because that's a sneaky spot for another team that uh, wants a quarterback to, to trade up to because you get the fifth-year option. And with the quarterback position – uh, that's really important in today's day and age. So I think that Buffalo, when they're sitting there at 30, they're going to field some calls. There's going to be a quarterback or two maybe that are on the board that a team says, you know, they might fall into our lap at, at pick 30, uh, 35, 36, whatever the case may be. Uh, but we could get them in, at the end of round one and have the rights to that fifth-year option. If we can develop them properly, that's really important in today's day and age. So uh, I think the trade down is what's going to be on the table more than a trade up personally. But like you said, He's fallen in love with players in the past. He made two trades, uh, one in the offseason, one during the actual draft, to move up to get Josh Allen. He traded up to get Jermaine Edmonds. He's not shy about those things. But, yeah, he's going to sit there at 30 or whether they trade down, and you're going to look and say, okay, all things considered, we do want to go best player available, but if it's best player available and then our 1B is not only you know our next best player available, but he's also at a need position, then you probably go with that second option a little bit if all things considered are close. And you mentioned Matt Milano. Uh, I'm not ready to close the book on Matt Milano yet, but I don't think a long-term deal is in, his, is in the books in Buffalo. Now, in a normal year, 
I would have already said, you know, he's gone. He's gone. Yep. He's gone. Yep. But this year, with the salary cap, with the, the fact that a lot of teams are already going to be pressed against it, they have their own guys, they have their draft classes, uh, they, they may have some more pressing needs in signing a linebacker to a $14 million deal. It wouldn't shock me if Milano's market isn't what is anticipated. And if the Bills can get him back on a one-year deal for around $10 million, by all means, bring him back yeah. one year and say, hey, listen, you know the system. You know how you fit into the system. And then next year when the cap, like you just said, goes back close to $200 million, that's when you're going to cash in somewhere. That's where you're going to make your money. So maybe, maybe the, you know, the, the cap actually benefits the Bills. And, and I think not just with Matt Milano. I think it could, could benefit them across the board in a lot of positions. You look at tight end. Uh, you, you look at the market there. There's going to be some big-name players that are going to get released um, that might be able to contribute in the short term. We mentioned uh, Kyle Rudolph on the show a few weeks ago as Zach Ertz could get released. But then there, there could even be a limited market for some of these guys that are going to hit free agency. Gerald Everett, I would love in Buffalo. I think that he fits the mold. Me uh, too, brother. <laughs> that is that's my guy. Me and Greg, me and Greg Thompson. Greg's going to join us at one p.m. and I'm going to let him know that you're on my team. Uh, listen, it's nothing against Jonu Smith, but I I have been a Gerald Everett truther for the better part of the last few months, and I am I'm ready to go all in on him. You know, and I have this big piece coming out early. It was going to be this weekend, but with all the J.J. Watt talk, I'm pushing it to probably Monday. I have this whole um, layout of what my ideal offseason, what I would do if I were the Bills. And Everett's my tongue number one, just because I think Johnny's going to make a little bit too much. I think yeah, Everett's funny because uh, he's a name that I followed too, but I thought he was older than what he Me was. Me too. Up his age. I said, oh, wait a minute. That really fits what I'm looking for then. And, I, you know, Rudolph's not in the same tier as a Gerald Everett or Johnny Smith, but for a helping Dawson Knox get to where he needs to be, he could help in that regard. Uh, not the same not the same mold as a Gerald Everett. There's even, you know, a Dan Arnold in Arizona. I, I, I was tracking him a little bit. I like his, uh, how he performed this year. Not the same tier, but if you're looking to, you know, looking to add a vet that isn't going to cost as much, he is intriguing to me as well. But Gerald Everett's my go-to guy at that position. And I think maybe you could get him for a reasonable rate. So, the way it's going to work out this year, you know, teams are going to have to get creative in their contracts. But if there's one thing that Brandon Bean has shown, that that's his forte. He, he can get guys signing underneath what you expected them to sign for, first and foremost. And then the way he builds the contracts, uh, there's usually an out in them after one or two years when it's not going to hurt the bills too much in terms of dead cap. So I'm really interested to see how this all plays out. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Appreciate the insight. Uh, you and me will be doing this far more often as the offseason uh, you know, sort of barrels on. So looking forward to it, man. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Ryan Talbot there in New York Upstate joining us on the West Her Hotline. Up next from ESPN, Rich Samini. He covers the Jets. We're going to talk some Jets offseason. That's coming up next here on WGR. All right, welcome back to the halfway mark here of Sports Talk Saturday. Joining us on the Wester Hotline is ESPN's Rich Samini, who covers the New York Jets. We're going to talk a little Jets offseason here with Rich. Rich, good afternoon, and thanks for joining me. 
Well, thank you for having me. No, my pleasure. And, um, you know, a little bit longer of an offseason for you guys in New York. We, uh, we're we still kind of getting around to a lot of the offseason. Very unfamiliar territory for, for folks here in Buffalo getting all the way to the AFC Championship game. But, you know, there's been a lot that has happened in between the last time the Bills played a football game and the last time the Jets played a football game, including Robert Sala and the the, the, the Jets making an, uh, making it official and bringing him in as the new head coach. And, and I'm wonder, I wanted to start there with you, Rich, just kind of getting an idea you know I, I i follow you and i follow along your reporting and for the last two years it has been something of a bit of a circus with um just everything that has gone into covering the last coach adam gase and i'm wondering i know it's very early and you haven't you don't have too much experience with sala yet but i'm just wondering if you could compare which maybe no one can compare to adam gase's first press conference it, i think everyone kind of knew from that point on it was going to be a bit of a circus but Kind of compare the first couple of weeks of Salah's tenure to Adam Gase's tenure and how that might apply to maybe your confidence of what this team does in this upcoming offseason and into the 2021 season. Yeah, well, as you noted, I mean, Adam got off to a rough start with that press press conference, which is kind of living in infamy on, on Internet memes. I don't, <laughs> I, you know, I think it'll be 20 years from yes. now you'll be able to check on that. But, uh, you know, Robert was, uh, of course, he did, Roberts was by Zoom. It wasn't in person, but, you know, he came across as a very polished guy who was prepared, you know, with his statements and came across as, as a genuine guy with, you know, a vision for what he wants his football team to be. And really, that, as a fan, that's really all you're asking for in these press conferences. We tend to overplay. I mean, you guys probably do it, too, in Buffalo and everywhere in the NFL. We watch these press conferences and we try to determine whether the coach wins the press conference as if that will have any impact on what happens on the field. But, you know, Adam, you know, when he got off to a, uh, you know, his first months were very turbulent because after he hired his staff and they, you know, right before the draft, we were already hearing rumblings that he and the general manager weren't getting along, which of course he and the Jets vehemently denied. But of course, you know, two or three weeks after the, you know, 2019 draft, the Jets fired their GM, Mike McCagnan. So that that was really the start of the Adam Gase uh, regime, just a lot of upheaval. Whereas with Robert, you know, he's aligned with the GM, Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas actually picked him. That was his choice. So it's not an arranged marriage. And so you would think that they're going to be aligned philosophically. And we'll see. I mean, we haven't even hit free agency yet. And I think he put together, you know, a pretty solid staff. And, uh, you know, but the big stuff starts happening now, Mm -hmm. you know, with all the personnel moves that are looming on the horizon. So before we get into some of that and talking about the offseason and the draft that's that's coming up, I I wanted to get your your thoughts. Um, You know, the whole Le'Veon Bell era in New York was... As weird as maybe the Le'Veon Bell era uh, between the Jets and the Steelers, like where you know he sits out for a season, it just it it felt like he just sort of had a three year extended holdout, and that's sort of what it feels like. And then watching him, you know, get signed in the offseason, and the reason I'm asking you is because the Bills were genuinely interested in adding Le'Veon Bell to the roster um, for their run, and ultimately he decides to go to Kansas City. And by that time, um, you know, he's not even on the playoff roster; like he's not playing, and it, maybe it's you know it's injuries or whatever. But I guess my question to you is, from what you've seen in the last you know year and a half in New York, and then you know the the small sample size we saw in Kansas City, does it feel like Le'Veon Bell's career is 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 maybe 
we're, we're coming up to a wrap on that? Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's past his prime, and uh, and I will give Adam Grace Gase credit for that because he was the one who who uh, saw through that. I mean, he did not want to sign Le'Veon. I think that became pretty public at the time, which probably didn't do wonders for his relationship with Le'Veon. But Adam, you know, and I give him credit for that, he was the one who saw a running back who was uh, dramatically overpriced and didn't want him on the team. And the Jets paid, you know, I think it was 13 and change per year, uh, you know, for Le'Veon Bell. And he, he gave them nothing. I mean, he... He didn't even have a – he played 18 games. They ended up paying him about $26 million, and he didn't even have a 100-yard rushing game. I mean, it, it was just – it was – I was mind-boggling about how little – how unproductive he was. Now, a lot of people were blaming, oh, the offensive line is terrible. Yeah, but occasionally you want to see a running back break out, you know, a 25- or 30-yard run just on his own ability to, to miss, you know, break tackles. But that never happened. I think his longest run might have been 18 yards That's crazy. in two years. I mean, it's just, this stuff is mind-boggling. It'll go down as one of the worst free agent signings in Jets history. And look, I think the joke around the Jets became that the only thing that could stop the Chiefs offense is putting in Le'Veon Bell into the game. You know? <laughs> <laughs> until, until Tampa did it to them in the, in the Super Bowl, obviously, yeah. uh, Tampa did great job of stopping them but i know when the jets played uh the chiefs and Le'Veon was on the chiefs we were all writing about all week about how Le'Veon was going to have his revenge game <laughs> let me tell you something i mean i think the jets took a, a, a sigh of relief every time yeah. Le'Veon got the ball in that game because he was not a threat to break it beyond three or four yards it's just remarkable rich to sort of see and i think it's the delicate ecosystem that these running backs live in. Um, I mean, there's no argument from me or from anybody that Le'Veon Bell was one of the most dominant players at the position in football a short four and a half, five seasons ago. And where he is now, just I think it speaks to why you your your you know teams are so cautious about giving these running backs a second contract. And that's the thing is we're not talking about, you know, Le'Veon Bell's third contract or anything. We're talking this was a second contract. This was a young player. Um and I and I think it just really goes into the delicate um nature that these running backs have to play with and why why it is uh, a Le'Veon Bell should have held out or should have held out for that money because we know now that guys don't typically get to that third contract and I think Le'Veon Bell's a really good example of that. Um Rich, I wanted to to move towards the quarterback situation in New York and 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 learning a little bit about how this staff is going to be um you know ultimately filled out on the offensive side of things with um LaFleur coming in and I'm wondering a part of me I I've, I was always a big Sam Darnold fan coming out I I always thought that you know it was going to be a matter of the system and 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 the organization that he went to and I think you would agree no quarterback would have had success Josh Allen wouldn't be Josh Allen today if he went to New York um you know and and I think that's just I think that goes for a lot of quarterbacks but knowing what we know now on who's going to be in place in the offensive coordinator position do do the Jets what do the Jets do here at quarterback is ultimately my question because they have a lot of routes. At least there's options, but it feels yeah. like it feels like a lot of teams might be willing to line up for Sam Darnold. And if that's the case, it feels like you can't move him then. Yeah, I mean, they do have options. Uh, in my opinion, there's only one, you know, rock-solid great alternative here, and that's if they could somehow 
pry Deshaun Watson away from Houston. But from all indications at this point, you know, he's not going to be traded. So I don't think the Jets can build their off-season plan around that because it's just such a major uncertainty. Uh, you can't count on the Houston trading uh, Deshaun before the draft. So the Jets are going to go uh, with the plan, which, uh, you know, I don't know right now, but they clearly are listening to teams calling. A, a handful of teams have called about Sam Darnold and they've engaged those teams in talks, that tells me that, you know, Sam Darnold is on the market and that uh, if the right deal comes along, the Jets would do it. Now, uh, there's been some speculation that they could even get a low first-round pick for him. If the Jets get offered a low first-round pick for Sam Darnold, I, I would do that deal in a heartbeat before the other team changes their mind. <laughs> I mean, that, that's too good of a, a, an offer for for a, a quarterback who has not reached his potential by a long shot and has also only got one year left on his rookie contract. You know, they, I think the Jets would do that deal in a second if they get high, you know, even for a high two. So that, you know, it's a very complicated decision right now. Do they feel like, and I know there's some support in the organization for Sam. There's some people in the building who really like him and thinks that he could do better with better coaching and better people around him. But there's also, a, you know, a segment where they they would like to draft a quarterback, maybe a Zach Wilson from BYU. So I, I think we're gonna we may not know the answer to this question until April 29th, the night of the draft, on what they're actually going to do. But I think it's 50-50 right now whether it's Sam or it's a uh, draft uh, a quarterback from the draft. ESPN's Rich Samini here joining me on the Western Hotline talking about the Jeff's, Jets' offseason plans. And, you know, part of, I think, what would hopefully give Jets fans the uh, the confidence going into this offseason is just how much, you know, Joe Douglas, I think, really wiped uh, cleaned up in the draft last year. Mekhi Becton turns into one of the league's, um, one of the league's better young left tackles um, in all of football. And, and I'm wondering, from your perspective, um, you know, going into this offseason with plenty of money to spend um you know what are the prospects of the Jets being I don't want to call them a destination but with the new coach who is I think pretty widely considered um a very respected coach not only amongst you know league officials but players they players like him and you've heard guys like Richard Sherman come on the record and talk about you know wanting to play for Robert Sala so knowing that you have a guy that maybe players want to come play for now do you see the Jets being with the cap space that they have one of, if not one of the most aggressive teams this offseason in free agency, and knowing what we know about free agency, that this is the time of year where mediocre players end up being overpaid, do you suspect that Joe Douglas will be maybe keeping that in mind when trying to build this roster, knowing it, for the most part, it's a young team, you don't necessarily want to overspend on high-priced veterans? Well, I mean, overspending in free agency is just you know, it's a given. It, it always happens. I mean, that's that's why teams that rely on free agency usually don't sustain success for a long period of time. Um, you know, one per, one of my colleagues, and I can't remember who said it, but it was a great analogy on free agency. It's like ordering, you know, ordering a fancy meal in, in an airport restaurant. You're always going to pay a lot more, you know, for pay because you're in an airport and not, and the meal won't even be that great. So that's like free, what free agency is. And you're right about Salah. I think there is the reputation around the league that players would like to play for him. And, and, and so that's a good thing for the Jets. So that'll help. But ultimately, they don't have a roster that's ready to compete for a championship right now. And so they're still going to have to overpay to get quality players in there. They're going to have 
they have close to 70 million in cap space right now, which I think is third most in the league. The time they get done cutting some veterans, they're going to be well over 80 million. So you, the Jets will be in a position to spend in a year where half the league is over the cap right now because we all know the cap is going to go down. And so the Jets will be in a very good position to, to add talent and use this cap room. Now, you asked me if they're going to be aggressive. I would say selectively aggressive. Joe Douglas is not a big spender in free agency. He's an Aussie Newsome disciple. So if he sees a player or two that he really likes, I think he'll be aggressive. But you're not going to see what the previous regime did. You're not going to see them go out and sign a Le'Veon Bell for $13 million, a C.J. Mosley for $17 million, a Jamison Crowder for $10 million a year. I think they will limit their spending to one player and then fill in with some you know, modestly priced free agents the rest of the way. So, Rich, last question for you at number two. I know you, you, you mentioned talking a little Zach Wilson from BYU. Justin Fields, obviously an opportunity for this team. Um, you know, how much do you believe, you know, and, and I think a lot of this is going to depend on just how confident, how many, and how loud those voices are within the organization that are in support of Sam Darnold and, and ultimately how important those voices are um, within that organization. Because if it's, you know, if it's not Joe Douglas, it may not matter whether or not people within the organization like Sam Darnold. But would you make the argument argument that this is maybe the year where you could surround him with an elite level talent and I'm thinking Devonta Smith um, or Jamar Chase that you know ultimately the Jets could have the the pick of the litter of basically the best position player or best um, you know ultimately weapon on the outside a receiver in the draft and and I think if you're the Jets you do have to think long and hard about that because you may not come across a guy like Devonta Smith again I mean a guy that it could just end up being a total game changer at the next level same with Jamar Chase and I wonder you know how much of that may play into their decision at quarterback? Yeah, it's a big factor. You raise a very good point because I think if they stay with Sam and they're at number two, I do think they'll be able to trade that pick to a team that needs a quarterback like Atlanta at four or Carolina at eight. Those teams are going to be in the quarterback market. And if the Jets traded down to Atlanta at four, and you know they could pick up you know a couple of extra premium picks right now the jets have 3 of the top 34 picks in the draft if you move down a couple or a few spots you'll you'll probably get another pick in the top 34 and and then another pick maybe in the top 40 or 50 and so you could really add multiple weapons around Sam Darnold um you mentioned the two receivers i think that they, they would be very very high on the jets list Today, Sewell, the tackle from Oregon, you know, you get a mm-hmm. bookend tackle with Makai Becton. So suddenly, you know, if you keep Sam and trade that pick, which I, I'm fairly confident they'd be able to do, you know, you, you could make a – you could this could be a watershed draft for the Jets. I mean, this could really turn around their franchise because God knows they have so many holes to fill on this roster. So uh, that is definitely one of the avenues they could take. You know, it, for sure, it's, it's in play. You know, the downside to that is what happens if you keep Sam and he has another bad to mediocre year and then he's a free agent after the year, then what do you do next year for a quarterback? So uh, they, they have number, they have two number one picks next year in 2022 because of the Jamal Adams trade to Seattle. So they would probably have to use those two picks, package them and move up in the 22 draft to try to get a quarterback if Darnold does not pan out. 
All right, Rich. Well, thank you for your time, man. Thanks for being so generous and uh, and joining us and talking some Jets. I'm sure uh, I'm sure we'll be reaching back out at some point this offseason to bring you back on. So we th- we appreciate it, man, and uh, keep up the good work and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. All right, great. Thanks. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Rich Samini there of ESPN. He covers the New York Jets for ESPN NFL Nation. I'm going to take a timeout. I've got two on the way. Then we've got Greg Thompson and John Clayton to, uh, to finish off the afternoon. So a lot more coming your way, talking Bills, up next with Greg Thompson of Cover One here on WGR. All right, we've got more Sports Talk Saturday coming up after a quick timeout. I've got Greg Thompson at Cover 1. We're going to talk offensive line. I know the big sexies. We're going to be talking about them coming up next, what the Bills can do. Uh, We're also going to talk some free agents, uh, not only on the offensive line, but at the defensive line as well, what the Bills could do at cornerback too, what they should do at tight end. All of that's coming up next, so don't go anywhere. We've got a great segment with Cover 1's Greg Thompson that's coming up next here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.